Today's episode is brought to you by M1 Finance, a new online broker that automates your investments. Once you tell M1 Finance what stocks and ETFs you want in your portfolio, they keep you balanced automatically as you put money in and take money out. And M1 Finance does all of this with no commissions, just a low annual fee of 0.35%. Visit m1finance.com listen and get your first six months of service for free. M1 Finance is a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Founders All Day IPA has helped bring you many Listen Money Matters episodes, and today, they're sponsoring the show. Session boldly with the IPA that can hang as long as you can. Need to record eight episodes in a day or create a budget with your most important person? Founders All Day IPA will get you there. All Day Session Ale keeps your taste satisfied and your senses sharp, making it the perfect companion for adventure. Naturally brewed with a complex array of malts, grains, and hops, All Day IPA is balanced for optimal aromatics and a clean finish. Make All Day last even longer with a 15-pack. Visit AllDayIPA.com to find All Day IPA near you and start your adventure. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Don't sweat the petty, pet the sweaty. My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with my good friend Andrew. Who are you? Are you sweaty today? I'm not. In there? I'm not <laughs> sweaty yet, but every single time I podcast, I always get sweaty because this mm. room is terribly hot. So this is uh, Seth via email. This is a catchphrase after my own heart. <laughs> I, I only sweat <laughs> when you ask me. Love. Huh? He's just trying to get me a little bit of love. <laughs> and all podcasters, because basically every podcast I listen to, at one point or another, they've talked about how they always come out of podcasting sweaty. When you ask me the tough questions or something that I don't expect, <laughs> I, I start to sweat. <laughs> Andrew, how much money is in your 401k? Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, uh, so Seth, thank you for that catchphrase. And if you, dear listener, want to give us some catchphrases, Twitter is probably the best place to do it. And uh, our Twitter is at Money Matters Man. You can tweet us your catchphrases there or our email is moneymatters at gmail.com. And today, Andrew, you wanted to talk about quote unquote alternative budgeting systems. And it looks like we have a, a, a few here that we're going to run through. Mm. But I think that begs the question what is an alternative budgeting system and what is it an alternative to like, is there a generally accepted normal budgeting system? Well, I mean, I definitely think that everyone hates like, like pretty much unanimously hates budgeting, even if they do it. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know why I was thinking about it, but, um, well, actually, actually I know why I was thinking about it. Cause Laura and I are getting to, to like an out of control state where we've like broken out of the budget realm. <laughs> we need, we need to rein it back in. And I, I hate it. She hates it. Uh, and when, when we had nothing better to do, I mean, I think we always had better stuff to do, but we, we really focused on like mint, which is a pretty, mm. um, for, for lack of a better term, like anal approach to budgeting. It's very detailed. Uh, is definitely more time consuming than a lot of other types, and you don't budget. Um, perhaps because it just does it for you. Well, well, no, I mean like you, that- Thomas, don't budget. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, eh. all right. Um, I used to not, and 
I'm glad that you said you and Laura had your out of control budgets. Why don't we do this? Mm. Going into this episode, why don't we have a little bit of confession time? Because I've had a, I've had a little bit of <laughs> guilt weighing on my soul. Yeah, for dude. The past break. day and a half. So the fact that you said you guys have been out of control makes me feel a little bit better. Things have just so, been like out of control. But yeah, my financial goals are fine. Everything's fine. It's, it's not like I'm out of control, but there are certain expenses that when you add up how much you spend on them, um, you can see the number and you can go, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? Like mm. to yourself. And for me, that has been coffee in the past <laughs> month. So, you know, when you make a decent amount of money, it doesn't seem like a big deal to go to Starbucks and get like a coffee and a breakfast sandwich, even if you happen to do it like every day which I have gotten in the bad habit of doing. So the other day I went through and I looked at my credit card statement and I was like, hmm, that's a higher balance than usual. What is it? And I'm looking through it and there's there's no big expenses. There's nothing with like a 900 in the number or anything. So I'm like, okay, I didn't buy a flight. I didn't buy uh, an elephant or something. What, how is it this high? And I just noticed a lot of Starbucks and coffee shops. I'm like, all right, I bust out the calculator. I added it all up. And in the last month, I've spent like 300 bucks on what? coffee shops. Wow, dude. So like $10 a day. And I was like, what the hell? Uh, it doesn't feel like I've spent 300 bucks. Mm. And, you know, I'm making enough where it's like, it's not going to break the bank. But on the other hand, when you sit there and you think about like, I could buy um, like suit pants or a new chainsaw or I don't know, I could buy like a 18 year old bottle of scotch for half that. Yeah. If I wasn't spending that much money and what is it getting me? It's getting me, you know, a habit of waking up and, and drinking probably too much caffeine every single day. Probably also the gas that I'm spending to get there. Um, you know, Laura and I, uh, we're not having like the, the coffee issue per se, but I think we're having like the same, uh, death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. where um we've gotten it so we're not like we're not buying things we're really not but yeah. you know uh lots of little tiny expenses over like time mostly that- stuff you put in your mouth uh, yeah that, that's the biggest <laughs> part for us and then also uh we got into this habit where mint uh you know you can categorize stuff down to the most like the smallest possible categorization possible. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of went there, got detailed over time. And now we have like a ton of budgets that are just, you know, $40, $80, you know, whatever. And like, are they arbitrary or, or what? I mean, you know, like some of them are, uh, for example, uh, I, I labeled as public transportation Uber. Right. But it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, like if we spend like, you know, I don't know, $50 in a month on Uber, like that's not a big deal. But it's and and in and of itself, that's not a big deal. But if it's $50 on Uber and $50 on coffee and $50 on personal care items and we we now have all these small categories, we feel like we budgeted well, you know, Mm -hmm. we're constraining ourselves. But there's so many of them. Yeah. And, And like you said, I don't really budget but going through it uh okay so to spoil what you've put in the outline a little bit i think the very last thing you may have mentioned here or maybe it isn't the last one in fact you know what i don't see it on here now maybe you deleted it i might have moved it up i could have sworn Mm. that you had the savings first budgeting system Mm. on here at one point 
and now I'm not. Oh, here it is. Reverse budgeting. That's where it is. Yeah. So uh, one of the the items you listed here was reverse budgeting, where you basically only have savings goals. You pay yourself first, and you don't have categorized or category yeah categorized spending. You basically just say I'm going to save this much per month in my mutual fund, in my my REIT or whatever, and the rest of it I can spend however I like. So that is basically how I have always budgeted. Mm-hmm. And I've complemented that by creating this kind of ridiculous Excel spreadsheet that um, in one big column, it tracks my, and these are not actual numbers. These are like averaged out numbers, income sources for the business, business expenses, including labor and non-labor expenses. That all totals into a net income per year and also a net income per month. And then in a right column, I bring in that net income. I like built. I built in all the actual tax formulas for my tax brackets and everything. Damn. I pulled them from the state government, the federal government website, so I can get an accurate accurate picture of what I would owe in taxes every month. I have an accurate picture of what I would contribute to my simple IRA. Is this your personal budget or is this your business? So uh, my business and my personal are kind of like mixed on this spreadsheet because it's all like, all right, this is, you know, this is the business income. Here's how it all flows into expenses. Here's how it ends up being profit. And then you went so far in the other direction. I thought you didn't budget because like you didn't have time for it. Didn't want to get detailed on it, whatever. Turns out you actually have done like the most complicated possible, uh, yeah, I can send you a screenshot real quick. I mean, it's uh, it's not like I'm lazy and don't want to budget. Well, okay, I take that back. I don't want to budget minutely and like track actual expenses every single month, but I do want to yeah. have like a general idea of what I'm doing, uh, and, I, and I have done that. So on my personal column, I've got personal expenses, and I've got the categories: so rent, car payment, Verizon, bill, uh, utilities, gas, coffee, whatever. And this is this is thing, basically mint what you've done, yeah, but it includes like your business. Like you've broken it mm-hmm. down by category. Um, yeah. and I just want to say, like, uh, if you've listened to the show for a while, like this is this is the approach that uh, we have favored. Like mint automates yeah. it, you know, and there are a lot of tools that automate this approach, mm-hmm. which makes it better. But so the thing about this, and I don't know if I included it in the screenshot, but I have there are different sheets in this Excel document, and I don't know if, if I put it in the screenshot, but the one that I showed you is my ideal one. So it is it is like a, a goal spreadsheet, and that's why the total income you can see in like uh, B nine is much higher than what it actually is right now. And then I have a current one where I have basically put in like, all right, here's what I made in the last month. Here are my last month's expenses. So this is a snapshot of basically where I am. Mm. And this has been really, really helpful for basically showing here is the life I can kind of expect at this level of income, given these business expenses, which don't really change that much given these labor expenses that don't change. But the one thing I noticed is that I was I was just kind of spitball estimating the personal expenses. Uh, like on here, I have like groceries, four hundred, and coffee, one hundred dollars. All right, five hundred dollars. But if I spent three hundred dollars on coffee, probably did not keep the entire grocery budget under five hundred dollars for that month. Um, so my my thoughts on budgeting, and I think Martin would agree with me here, because he's done this. Is I like the savings first reverse budgeting model, but eventually, or maybe even like quarterly, like. Uh, like Doug once told us on the, you know, that your family is a business episode. Mm. Sometimes you got to sit down and have like a quarterly review and do like a sanity check and see, okay, if is my spending actually matching these 
um, these expectations I've set. And for me, they're not. So, so that, I need to get back to basics. That, and that's what I want to do because I feel like uh, where before, like, you know, at like day three of Listen Money Matters, my life was far simpler. Laura's was far simpler. <laughs> yeah. um, and we, you know, we sat down and we got wine mm-hmm. and, you know, we talked about mint and, and our spending. And uh, things have changed so much for us uh, mm-hmm. just in our lives. Where we put our time uh we we will always choose Westworld over you know Mint and and I think that's fine you know and uh, but but there's got to be a way to to keep it under control and, and be a little hands off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the way that well, I don't know about you guys because you your situation is way more complex than mine now that you have rental properties and all that stuff. I don't even, I don't know what you guys are doing with that. I mean, I would guess once you get boiled down to a system, it's probably not too difficult, but so you do have more. It does get away from you, but, but I think like what happens inadvertently, and I think this is the perfect, uh, like meta, I don't know if metaphor is the right word for your coffee spending is that when you earn more, uh, you even, well, like Laura and I are generally pretty tight with spending, but mm. you just get looser because yeah. uh, when you have when you make a thousand dollars a month, one dollar has a different value to you than when you make ten thousand a month. You know, uh, and, I want to like, put it this way. So this is the way I've been thinking about it, and I realize like I, I don't want to, but I'm probably going to sound arrogant by saying this. Hmm. But once you get to a certain threshold of income, and maybe this is different in New York City where you live, but at least here in Iowa, once you get to a certain threshold of income. There are still things you can't afford and there are still things that you have to think about to buy. But like the normal everyday expenses that most people just have, uh, you don't think about mm. how much they cost. And you're saying like rent, even if it's like, like even like going out to eat, buying a coffee, buying like two lattes in a day. Uh, oh, look, I actually filled the car up with gas like twice this week because I've been driving a lot. Like when I was a college student, every single one of those things I thought about. Because I knew there's like six hundred and forty dollars in my bank account. This is going to represent like five percent of that right now. You know, you get to a point where you don't think about it. You're like, can I afford this restaurant bill? Uh, what happens if this restaurant bill is seventy five dollars rather than fifty dollars? Oh, Anna wants to order a couple of extra drinks. See, uh, but I don't even think Thomas, about it. Thomas, how much know? is how much is a dinner for you and Tom? Uh, you and uh, Anna with drinks? I would say. Um, at a normal restaurant, I probably end up paying like. $48 ish. That so, seems to be like the standout number usually. And then if we go to a really nice place, it's like 75. I remember you came to New York and we went to this place, Sushi Lounge in Hoboken. And we actually, <laughs> as per Laura and I's normal, whatever, we like did not have a lot of drinks, of yeah. food, of all of it. And the bill came and I and we split it, and so I think it was like eighty something dollars and eighty something dollars. And Laura and I were like, "Oh my god, this is so cheap! I can't believe it!" And meanwhile, you were like devastated because yeah. it was like double your expectations, and it's like yeah. you know, two thirds or whatever of ours. I, I think uh, New York, it like everything is trying to take your money from you, and if you mm-hmm. took two months. And you're just like, woo, way like it would all get away from you. Like, 
Yeah. And th- I, so that's why I said maybe it's different for New York because in Iowa, like what is there to do? There's mm. like two fancy restaurants that are going to cost you more than like $80 to go eat for two people, you know? So, and everything's so far away. It's not like I can just walk down to some super expensive, fancy lounge. Like I, it's, it's a night out. I get a plan for it and everything. So, you know, that's why I say everyday expenses, you know, I can't go buy like a boat or I, I couldn't even buy a house right now. I don't even have enough for a down payment for like a house that I would want. But you get to the point where, your income maybe grows and because you're no longer having to think as hard about the daily expenses that you're spending money on, they just kind of balloon alongside them. Mm. And if you're not careful, that can get, it can either start cutting into your financial goals or it can maybe trap you into thinking that your current financial goals are where you should stay. When in fact, maybe because you're making more money, you should make those a little bit more ambitious Mm. or, you know, look forward to something that you maybe had put off way into the future because maybe you can do it now. Dude, here's what I'm going to do. There's like, I don't know, a billion ways to budget. And I think a lot of them are like a crock of shit or just the same (laughs) thing with a different name. Uh, we have, like my, we have one a, of my favorite curse words. A crock of a crock of shit. <laughs> a full crocodile filled with shit. Uh, but so I want I want to go through these um systems and talk mm-hmm. about them because I believe that there um is an approach that can work for you, meaning like anyone, and it's maybe more personality based. Yeah. Like, like if you have like octuplets, you know, you don't have time to go into mint and categorize Starbucks, uh, I don't know, uh, croissants as snack, right? Instead of coffee. Um, but you could do yeah. something high level that, that accomplishes the same thing. So do you want to start with reverse budgeting since uh, you feel? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to click, you know, you've got some links in here and we can put them in the show notes, but. Reverse budgeting is simply the same as the pipeline formula that I developed on my budgeting post over on College Info Geek, where basically you are, well, I guess mine may be a little bit different. The raw reverse budgeting is set saving goals, pay yourself first. Hmm. The pipeline model that I created is like that, but it also includes basically filling up like the buckets that must be filled up first. So I'm talking about uh, your rent. And your debt minimums, if you have debt and you're trying to get out of debt, you got to pay those like things that you literally cannot get out of paying. Those have to be filled in. And then from there, you fill your savings goals before you spend any more money. Now, from there, you'll know how much you have left over. And that can tell you whether or not you're buying potatoes this month or, I don't know, buckets of saffron to drink Mm -hmm. with a straw. And, you know, if you do that, it's easy. Because you've already taken care of the fixed expenses that must be taken care of. You've already taken care of your savings goals, which can be as granular as you want. Could be mutual fund savings. Could be savings for uh, the boat that you want to buy or something. Don't buy a boat. But, you know, you've got all those taken care of. After that, you don't have to worry about categorizing whether or not a croissant goes into coffee or whether or not like a dog leash goes into dog or toy or I don't know, whatever. Because you just know this is how much money I have left over. Everything's taken care of. I could blow it if I wanted to. So uh, to to go out on a limb, um, what type of person do you think reverse budgeting is geared towards? 
And you can like I, maybe to to okay. like clarify it a little bit. You have you know uh, the the entrepreneur with a regular income, or just the person with a regular income. You have the person making um, maybe just not enough to get by, so they're having like a rough go at mm-hmm. it. You know the the guy or girl in the middle, and then the one all the way at the at the end who's just like money's coming out of their ass. Okay. If you are making enough to have discretionary, like a decent amount of discretionary income at the end of the month, and you have a regular income, I don't see why you wouldn't do this. So, so you're saying this is geared towards like the middle to upper earner? Uh, yeah. Unless you're like really having to scrape, because mm. I could think like, okay, if you really having to scrape, then it's a good idea to start looking granularly at different categories and being like, all right, maybe we need to buy potatoes instead of yams or something like that. But if you are like, all right, I have like 300 bucks at the end of the month after all my savings goals and expenses are taken care of, then why not do it this way? It's the easiest thing. And this is the thing that, that makes it so good for me. Once you have defined those savings goals and your fixed expenses, for the most part, you can automate those. Mm. And that's what I recommend doing. And that's what I have done. So the money comes in, it automatically flows into the buckets and whatever's left over, you can spend that, you know, and hopefully you've got your three X monthly expenses in your checking account. You've got your emergency savings. All that stuff is taken care of. Your fundamentals are good from there. Why worry about it? So I'll say that um, we we've been closer to a non system, but since we started doing the rental properties, the closest system we've been using is this because Mm -hmm. it's we're we're getting ready to either purchase this place or put offers in on on X places. So we need we know what we need, um, or we need in thirty days, and so it's like everything uh, revolves around getting that requirement filled mm. you know and then the rest but um i i know my personality that uh when it's thursday and i don't have the willpower uh and we're walking by a really good restaurant <laughs> well, i'm gonna try and make sure we go in you know and then if Are i your savings goals taken care of you know and and i think that's the slippery slope is with credit cards um it's easy to hit your savings goal and not have enough money to pay your card because you hit your savings goal, right? Like, then I guess I, that's I don't, okay because they're detached. You can either I think this control. is a fundamental. This is a fundamental question. Mm. Do you have three times your monthly expenses in your checking account? Because if you do, this is never an issue mm. because you're you know how much you're making per month, you know. And I guess yeah, this is this is for the kind of person that can. But see, you kind of no, visualize yeah, or check. You're right, Thomas. Like, on their credit I, card. So, I have yeah. never, uh, you know, done a month such that I was like, oh my god, I have zero left. But mm-hmm. you know, if I have X month expenses in the account and I was a little sloppy, I'm gonna wind up with less than what I would like to have as a reserve. Yeah. Which, which I guess is okay because you know the boat didn't sink. Um, but but I don't know if that's the right. It's true and. To a degree, maybe I may uh, just be projecting my own preferences and my love for building systems onto everyone here. Mm. I, I do think this is a very useful system, but I think there could be there could be scenarios in which it wouldn't work for you. Um, like if you tend to have absolutely no conception of how much you're spending on the credit card every month. In that case, do something a little bit more granular. And actually, so that was going to bring me to something else. I'm not sure if when you get granular on your budget, you should focus entirely on the money aspect of it 
Because maybe you should be focusing on your habits themselves. If you have a habit like I did and like I'm trying to fix of getting up every single morning and you're the first thing in your head is let's drive to Starbucks, spend $10 on coffee and a sandwich and check emails. Um, that's not just bad in terms of money. It's like I'm eating food that's lower quality than I should be eating. I'm drinking coffee first thing in the morning instead of water. I'm building a dependence on caffeine. I'm wasting gas to get there. And I'm starting my day out with email checking. So all basically net net negative things. And if I just focus on the money, I'm not going to discover that there may be worse things around this. Same thing if you're like, I'm going to the bars every single night. If you only think about the fact that you are spending a lot of money at the bar, you're your reaction may be to say, okay, I'm going to drink at home instead. So maybe take it one step further and think about like, is this habit actually good for me or not? Hmm. So this is what I've been doing. When I noticed that, oh, wow, that's a lot of money to be spending on coffee every month. My thought was not, how can I reduce my coffee expenditures? My thought was, do I need to be doing this at all? Like, is this entire habit useful to my life? So I I see see that and and I, I agree but um, I, I, it, ca- it makes me think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs because at the end of the day, even though uh, I don't technically need a croissant from Starbucks, m- maybe I really actually need a, a croissant from Starbucks. Do like, you though? Like, maybe, maybe, it's not my base of the pyramid. It's not like, you know, requirement for me to survive. Maybe it's, you know, my... My self actualization via croissant, but I don't think you need a croissant for self actualization. <laughs> well, I think you need to make speak cool for yourself and, and get love or something. <laughs> but I, I think the thing is, like, I say this is like the world's biggest croissant addict from Starbucks. Like it's a it's a problem. Well, it's the chorizo sandwiches actually, but still, like I understand the cravings. But you should be able to get what you want and what you need, and they shouldn't have to be the same thing. Right. I'm just saying that this is the question is what I want good for me because mm. this is one thing I've noticed with coffee with drinking with a lot of things you start doing it because it's fun but then there's marginal diminishing returns that get masked by the development of a habit mm. and all of a sudden you're like doing the thing and you're not getting as much enjoyment out of it as you used to and I won't say this applies to every single thing in the world but it does apply to a lot of things and I know that a lot of times it just becomes a habit out of laziness or just being on autopilot so i i don't want to say like this is going to work for everyone all i just want to do is put out the there the idea that when you're thinking about budgeting uh also extend that to thinking about your just your daily habits Mm. you know is there a better way you could be doing this that would improve your life in other ways beyond your wallet so uh, i know you have a few other things listed here what i wanted to do is tell you about a couple of the budgeting methods that people i know have done and i think they'll probably Mm. work into here so my mom has actually used the envelope system which and this is i think is the the second most popular one from mint and and maybe just and i want to hear but just to kind of like classify it i think this is geared much more towards people you know uh middle of the road and and lower so if you're having difficulty with money and, and often find yourself with not enough, mm-hmm. I think this is like the system that you need. And I think my mom actually may be doing it still. So it's a very uh, old school approach. It I, is. I think my parents did it uh, in the beginning as well. 
Yeah. So just to explain it to anybody who hasn't heard of this before, basically you have an envelope for every category. Like groceries, um, gas. Yeah. So when you get paid every month, you literally cash it. You don't have a credit card. You don't EFT stuff. You you use cash for the most part. And at the beginning or end of every month, whenever you get paid, you divvy up the money and you put it in the envelopes. So whatever amount of money is in the grocery envelope, that is all you can spend on groceries that month. And what I think is but but the there's, there's system, one critical oh. like piece is that so mm-hmm. say you have like four hundred dollars in the grocery envelope. And yeah. you go to the and you keep bringing that envelope to the grocery store over the course of the month and you spend three hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. That means that you still have fifty dollars in the envelope for next month. So you could put another four hundred in there and then have four hundred and fifty to spend on groceries or you could only put 350 in and reallocate. Mm. So fill it back up. Yeah, like you know throw it towards debt or something. And and it's yeah. you know making sure every dollar has a job. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think the main value of the envelope system is that it is the method of budgeting that gets you closest to money as actual units of value mm. and it I think it really teaches people the value of money if they don't quite see it. Like credit cards they they separate you from your money. You know, by so many layers of abstraction, mm. you don't feel the loss because you're not handing over a finite chunk of what's in the envelope to buy the things. You're just swiping or, you know, doing the Apple Watch thing. Like, you don't even think about it. That's, mm. I think that contributes to the fact that I don't think about what I buy because it. I, I don't really see myself handing money over ever. I just see myself going, whoop, all right, going home, you know. So if, if you feel that you don't respect money and you don't feel enough loss or you don't feel the gravity of the situation when you trade your money for something, then this is a decent thing to do, at least temporarily, I think. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, perhaps like the best entry point into budgeting. One, I, because of the approach and because I mm-hmm. think it works really good to get people on track so they can potentially move to a different type. But while there is mint for the the traditional budgeting sense of you just get a bunch of categories and allocate spending to those categories, this is the one other system that also has an awesome tool associated with it. So um, mint for for that category approach, YNAP or you need a budget is mm-hmm. for the envelope system and where their, their app was great before, um, my biggest gripe with it was that uh, you'd have to go to the bank, get the transactions, and put it into the tool a la 1995 Quicken style. Um, now they have a web-based uh, setup, and it actually automatically pulls things in. So if you want that like easy automated approach, uh, but you need like a, a much uh, more heavy touch, I think this is like an awesome like tool system combo. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What if I told you that you can get lower rates on life insurance by living a health-conscious lifestyle? Many people who exercise regularly don't realize they can get special life insurance rates through Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to get lower rates for the health conscious, including those who exercise regularly through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, and many other activities. They even have worked with an insurer to replace the BMI measurement with a waist-to-hip ratio, a far better predictor of cardiovascular health and more advantageous to weightlifters. All you have to do is take the Health IQ quiz to see how you qualify. 
To receive a free quote and to learn more, head to healthiq.com slash listen. That's healthiq.com slash listen. Health IQ, celebrating the health conscious. Listen Money Matters is brought to you by Varo. Managing your money can be a nightmare, but with Varo, you're able to manage all your accounts from one intuitive app. No more jumping from one banking app to another just to figure out your finances. With Varo, online banking and money management tools are rolled into one. This allows you to see your complete financial picture right from your phone, making budgeting decisions on the fly easier than ever. Learn to set spending goals, manage expenses, and budget for little things like dining out. Or those big ticket items like that European vacation you always wanted to take. If you're ready for a new way of banking that's built around your behavior, sign up for Varo Early Access today. Go to varomoney.com slash listen. That's V-A-R-O money.com slash listen. Banking services provided by Bancorp Bank, member FDIC. So the other thing, I don't think this is really listed here, and this isn't really a budgeting system, Mm. but I think it's a first step. So one thing that Martin did when he quit his job and when he started working with me, uh, at first I paid him very little because I was like, you know, he he had to recover from an injury and I was like, well, you can't do a whole lot to help me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to pay you as much as you as I can to allow you to live and then you're going to contribute as much as you can to the business in exchange. So to deal with the pay cut that was, you know, for a few months, he tracked every single expense Mm. on his phone as he bought it. And I think this is a really good thing to do because it, it it built this habit. Oh man, I should ask him. Is it like, there's like level money Either used an app or he may have just literally written them down in the notes app on his phone. I can't. Oh, okay. I'll have to, I could ask him later. Um, and then I know he had some Excel spreadsheet that basically like broke down some categories. But the, the data gathering stage was what I thought was cool because that allowed him to discover uh, much more quickly areas where maybe he was spending too much or he had bad habits. You know, you can sit down and look through a credit card statement and that might illuminate it. But if you have a habit of writing down every single expense when you're gonna when you buy it, you know, in the moment. You can realize like, oh, I wow, I just bought a Hershey bar. I didn't even think about that. But now I am thinking about it because I got to write it down. You know, uh, it's interesting because we have been like really well, like we, we like we're like we need to do something. And we were mm-hmm. talking about every time we spend anything, we just write it on a piece of paper on the fridge. And just oh, like, you have? like, no, no, I mean, we, we didn't do this. We were like talking about ways to kind of just be like oh, more okay. conscious about it. Um, and I think, yeah, just like logging in and even just like looking at it and like when you're in there, you'll see the other transactions like, Mm -hmm. yeah, just acknowledging that it happened. And and I think it might be a little bit more valuable than say looking at a credit card statement, because I know that on my credit card statement, I, it it says high V 954. And the only reason I know that that's the Starbucks in high V and that's a sandwich and a coffee is because I know how much it costs, which Mm -hmm. is bad. That it reveals the depths of my addiction, but I can't see granularly from the credit card statement what I was buying. So I think th- this is especially useful for like the grocery store where you may not be noticing that like some things you're buying are too expensive or you don't need them or maybe they're unhealthy for you as well. And this is where writing down 
in the grocery store because then you're in the in the frame of mind like, all right, I spent this much, and what did I get for it? And you're looking at your stuff. By the way, uh, Level Money, it's it's an app. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's for iOS. I don't know if it's for Android. This is kind of uh, the tool for the reverse budgeting system in mm. that like uh, you start with 100% and then you drain down what you've earned, whether to you know coffee or savings. Uh, so it kind of adds like a visual layer to that. Huh. Interesting. Um, is this like the zero sum budget too then or, or not? What's the zero sum budget, Thomas? I don't know. You wrote it down, man. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm getting over a cold, so I'm gonna try not to sneeze like too many times in this episode. So, so zero sum <laughs> budget is is very similar to the envelope system. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically every dollar has a job, uh, and uh, you just you have your income and you subtract your expenses. Um, I, I feel like they're very similar. Okay, so it's very granular, very. Uh, good for people who want to see exactly where everything is going. Cool. So we also have the three-step budget, which was created by Andrew Tobias, and I feel like that name is familiar to me. Why is that name familiar to me? <laughs> Arrested Development, dude. Tobias. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Tobias Funke. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've seen this guy before. Anyway, so this is it's a three-step thing. So step one, destroy all your credit cards. Sounds mm-hmm. like we're we're uh, doing like the what the debt snowball almost, mm. and then invest twenty percent of your earnings and live on the remaining eighty percent. Pretty straightforward. No need to follow specific categories. Just don't overspend on your eighty percent. Hmm. Sounds pretty simple. So there, there's that, um, and then there's something that's like a bit more controlled than that. Actually, uh, what? Now that I'm thinking about it, this is just. This is just the reverse budgeting with like the added step of destroy your credit cards thrown mm. in. I mean, if you're if it, he's literally just putting numbers on onto it. Invest step one: 20%. stop right. doing everything step bad. One, pay yourself first, just like the reverse budgeting method. Step two: now you have eighty percent left. Spend it how you want, dude. So it's three step budget. So, so you cut up your credit cards. Step one. Step two: budget. Step three: profit. I think what I'm learning here is that I can look smart by naming my own budget that's just a variation of other budgets the tom frankly budget. everybody get on thomas frank's four-step budget step one destroy your credit card step two do a little dance and that'll get your blood flowing right and that will send blood to your brain releasing endorphins making you smarter then just do the reverse budget Mm. i pioneered the dancing (laughs) i think i should get an msnbc segment for that you probably can I probably could. Look, dude, this this next one uh, is is the one that I want to try with Laura. I think this one is a logic, like an extension of the the three step. Okay. Um, only I feel like it actually like makes sense. Is uh, it the snowball one? No. Oh no. Um, it's uh, the the balanced money formula, and it's oh, okay. It's by our good friend who has yet to. Come on the show, although I doubt she ever will. Um, it's Elizabeth Warren. She wrote a book. Like the Elizabeth Warren? The Elizabeth Warren. Oh. Wrote a I didn't book. Know she wrote a book. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's the Elizabeth. I'm not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the Elizabeth Warren. But, but anyways. Oh, that's cool. Um, the way that it works is uh, you have like 
three sections, right? You have uh-huh. your needs, your wants, and your savings. And like okay. the three-step budget, uh, they, they suggest you save 20%. Okay. Um, then they say that 50% goes to your needs and 30% goes to wants. And one other thing with this budget is they strong- That's 50 to needs? 50 to needs. Okay. Um, and this is like after-tax money. I, I think all of them are after-tax money. Um, I fail to see how you can assign a percentage to your needs because aren't those fixed? So, uh, like, no, dude, because to an apartment or something. Let, let, let's talk about that because um, I, I live in Hoboken. My mortgage uh, with Homeowners Association is just shy of $3,200 a month. That's in my needs category. Do you think that I could lower that if I needed to? Your mortgage? My, my, I guess you could my needs. Like, I mean, I, I don't really have to pay that much, right? Like, you agree with me, I could find some place that's cheaper. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, yeah you could. It, it, it kind of goes to, to the line of like, there has to be some threshold of what's okay. And usually. So, oh, it's a threshold. Right? Like, we used to be like, never spend more than a third on um, like living. Right. Yeah. Rent slash mortgage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, this doesn't get so specific as to tell you what to do in a a specific category, but it's like you got to eat. You have to like brush your teeth so you stay employed. You need to have underwear and a place to live. You know, like your your needs. Yeah. Um, And they're very specific that, uh, you know, it's like 20% savings. Then you have this 30% wants like going Mm -hmm. to, to, I don't know, taco town and, and getting tacos and tequila or something. Um, Sounds good to me. I I don't know a taco town. (laughs) It's a good name though. There's probably a taco town in New York city. Mm, Probably find it next time I go there. But they, they say you should actually be conscious to use 30% for wants because uh, if you're not, they're like, well, maybe you're not getting the point of money. And I, and I kind of agree with this. That uh, there has to be some enjoyment, right? Yeah. All all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah, and so this is why I want to redraw my money pipeline because on on my budgeting post, I drew the money pipeline back when I was in like zero debt, debt is evil mode. Mm. And I was like trying to pay off my student debt as fast as I could. Or I, maybe I made it like right after that. So basically, the way I drew it was like money comes in, you fill your fixed expenses, your needs, you fill your debt minimums, you fill your checking up to 2.5, three times. So basically, you have an emergency fund. And then I have it like all pouring into debt. And then once debt is taken care of, then it goes to a split between investments and like extra fun or charity or whatever. But I think I need to redraw it so like a little bit goes into fun even before debt is totally filled up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that I think that's personal preference because some people out there are just like, I want that debt gone. Let's get rid of it. But as a person that has a very low interest car loan still, um, I'm paying it off faster than minimum, but I'm also not like dumping every single spare dollar into it because I do like to have fun. And I don't believe, I don't know. I've, I've had a fundamental shift in how I think of debt now mm. i think irresponsible debt's still real bad and you should get rid of that as soon as you can and irresponsible debt acquisition is bad but at the end of the day debt's just uh the moving around of, of 
of value from one area where it's underutilized to an area that couldn't use it before. And I think that's a fine concept. I want to talk about uh, the percentages for a second. So Mm -hmm. is is the retirement age, it's like 62 or something like that, right? Let's say it's Retirement age? Yeah, let's say it's 60. Let's make it easy. That's like... It's like real ambitious for this country. Well, here's Isn't it like 70 now or something. Here's the thing. So uh, you graduate, you uh, I mean, you graduate high school, you go to college or not, blah, blah, blah. You eventually get a job. Let's say you yep. get a job starting at 23. Right. Mm-hmm. If you so. So uh, we've talked about retirement before and retirement is simply a factor of your savings rate. Right. If you mm. saved a hundred percent of your income, technically you could retire because you don't need to spend a dollar of it. Right. Um, yeah. And and if you were able to save nothing, technically you will never be able to retire. Right. And then mm-hmm. it's obviously a sliding scale from there. So uh, if your savings rate is twenty percent, you will retire in thirty-seven years, which would put you to sixty. So if you start at twenty-three, and you save twenty percent a year. Um, just stuck it in like some stupid investment account, doing whatever it did, does you'll you'll retire at the average American whatever, right? If you uh, want- does that formula not need a dollar amount? Is it is it like assuming that you keep the standard of living you have when you start working? Like how does that work? Because I mean, like if I start at twenty three making minimum wage versus making eighty k, like doesn't that change it? So, um, it, it's all like proportional, right? So if, okay. so let's say, um, you're, uh, Thomas, the, the plumber who does well and makes a hundred thousand a year and you save 10%. Mm-hmm. So you save $10,000, right? And, uh, you, you spent 90 uh, if or you could be Thomas, the really really good doctor who makes four hundred thousand dollars a year, yeah, somehow is able to only save ten percent. So that's forty thousand. That's four times more than Thomas the plumber. But yeah. your spending is so much higher. Like you, it, in so order to maintain that lifestyle, to maintain the exact lifestyle hmm. I have. I don't think anyone imagines retiring as a pauper. Yeah. So is is this just like a really simple model that kind of assumes that I'm going to make the same amount of money my entire career, spend the same amount of money my entire career? It, in a way, it's like a general rule of thumb. Like, obviously, we're oversimplifying. Okay. We're not talking about like taxes and stuff. But I think like uh, we, we can agree on like the basic math here. Um, All right. So you, if I'm you not always used- quick on the uptake with percentages and stuff. So sometimes I got to sit down and like draw it all out, but I'll we'll go with it for now. Um, so if you took, uh, Elizabeth Warren's approach, which I really like, uh, mm-hmm. and save 20%, you're going to work the typical American, whatever. Uh, I, th- I mean, I think you could do better than that. I mean, if you just pumped it up to 30%, you'd save nine years off your retirement. I, I've been working nice. eleven years outside of college. Feels like an eternity. That I would have like the difference between twenty percent and thirty percent is like my personal eternity. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 like meaningful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so we're gonna take that um, 
that balance money formula, perhaps tweaking the savings percent a little bit. So that's what you and Laura are going to do. And this way, like we don't have to get really specific about, you know, we have a general idea of what our needs are. Mm-hmm. We make sure that like that area, you know, PSE and G and all that, you know, electricity gets yeah. into that bucket. Um, and then we could we could just look high level instead of like in the weeds. What are your current financial goals, Andrew? You know, uh, like are you like, saving up for anything big soon? I mean, I know you're you're trying to buy more properties. You're, get, you're getting that's a, that's deep a here. Business thing. I say it because I, I started thinking about this because I'm moving soon. You know, and my my rent is going to go way up. My goals have changed. I I think that uh, I've become lucky enough that my goals are um, they're they're very different than they were when when I started the show. I I uh, am not. I'm I'm trying to see what I can do. I'm trying to. I I don't have necessarily a savings goal or a requirement anymore based on. The, the rental property, Listen Money Matters, the amount that we've saved uh, in like the past four years, really. Um, like my trajectory is good. Like I, I, th- I think that mm-hmm. I'm fine. Like, okay. I mean, I, I just say because budgeting needs to have some overarching goal, you know, mm. attached to it. And so I kind of get, I kind of get where you're coming from because. I've gotten to the point where the amount I spend on coffee is not so much a huge deal. And the things I really need to worry about are, um, increasing income, you know, but it's like, and maybe like someone like Warren Buffett, who's a total penny pincher would punch me for saying this. But in my mind, it's like, I don't need to worry about slashing the coffee budget. I need to worry about like five Xing the income because I want to hire people or, you know, or I want to be able to pay the people I'm paying right now, like full-time income apparently. I see that as eventually like something like that. Playing the game, right? Like you're you're yeah. getting to the point where you're playing the game because you like playing the game. You're trying to see how good you can do, you know. And maybe yeah. that, I don't know how to, how do you describe someone like Warren Buffett who still goes to work is worth some obscene amount of billions of dollars, you know, and clearly yeah. has no interest in material possessions. Like he's he's just trying to see like how what what can I get this up to. Yeah, he's playing the game, and I mean, maybe he has some overall uh, Carnegie-esque end game, you know, with philanthropy or something. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I've gotten to the point where it's like, you know, comfortable living is unlocked. So now you have goals that aren't necessarily monetary. Uh, monetary, hmm. um, and I, some monetary goals have creeped back into my life simply because I'm moving, and it, it represents a step up in expenditures and. I can handle it, but I also want to know that I can handle it comfortably. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, it's nice having a, a decent amount of margin living in a cheap area. And I want to make sure I can keep that margin even in a more expensive area. So the thing I've been focusing on the most is making more right now. And as an entrepreneur, I think that's how I always will be. But it also got me to look at my coffee expenditures and things like that as well. Just, just out of curiosity, but also as you know, like I said, it goes back to questioning, like what, what's the underlying habit behind this expense, and do I need it? Mm. Y- you caught me on a very introspective day, so. <laughs> so, so okay, to kind of <laughs> distill it down, like a, a summary, I think that mint and um, I, 
I don't know if it has a special name. It's called like category budgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, uh, not like actuary, like accountant. It's like a very, it's like accounting style budgeting. Yeah. Meant. Um, I think that's good for like the middle of the road people, maybe a little bit below, maybe a little bit above. When you start to make a lot, uh, you're, you're perhaps a bit too much in the weeds. Um, and when you're really low, uh, it's it's not necessarily what you need, um, yeah. To get everything that you need, um. So I think this Elizabeth Warren piece, I think it's pretty the the balanced money formula. I think it's pretty broad, but it's definitely you know like the top three quarters. Cool. Well, I got a jet because mm. we are going to see the new Harry Potter movie tonight. I'm going to a comedy. Are show, you so. jealous? No, I'm no, going to a comedy show. That sounds fun. Is it Louis C.K.? Uh, no, it's actually a, a friend. Um, he's doing oh, a show, and we're going to go see him, support him, and yeah. I don't know why. Whenever I think of comedy shows in New York, I just think of Louis C.K. because I watch Louis sometimes. Yeah, he's walking anyway. down into yeah, the Yeah, he goes to the comedy cellar or whatever yeah. it is. So uh, I know you, you linked up to a bunch of things in the notes for this episode, so we'll just shove a bunch of these into the show notes. Mm. Uh, so if anyone wants more detail on any of these budgeting methods, there's going to be links up in the show notes and I'm sure Andrew will write up some, some descriptions as well. And actually I want to ask, uh, people to email us and like, what do you use or like, what doesn't work with what you use? Yeah, that'd be cool to hear. Um, and if there was a possibility, maybe, uh, pro might expand into something in this realm because, uh, I, I got like a budgeting tool. Yeah, like something a little bit lighter touch. Did, did you know that Ready for Zero closed their doors? Mm, I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised because I feel like I feel like a year ago or more, you told me something was going down with Ready for Zero. They, and they've been they were, dying for a while. But anyways, there, yeah. there's, I feel like there's. I'm starting to see the opportunities where um, if you don't want to be crazed, there's like some middle-of-the-road tool possibilities. So, yeah, e- email us and let us know what you think um, because we might just build it. Yeah, cool. So, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com is our email. And if you happen to be a member of Pro, we do have a community. So, if you want to post in the community about your budgeting, what's worked, what hasn't worked, things you might want to get help on, uh, we have a lot of people smarter than us in our community. So, pro.listenmoneymatters.com is where you can find all those good folks. And the last thing is our toolbox, which will have apps resources books that we recommend all kinds of cool stuff maybe even that elizabeth warren book at some point um listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you can find that so thanks for hanging out and we will see you in next week's episode later man later dude friends about this show. Thanks again to M1 Finance, a new online broker that automates your investments. Once you tell M1 Finance what stocks and ETFs you want in your portfolio, they keep you balanced automatically as you put money in and take money out.
And M1 Finance does all of this with no commissions, just a low annual fee of 0.35%. Visit m1finance.com slash listen and get your first six months free. M1 Finance is a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC.